0: man movie minutes the show that scrutinizes analyzes and you'll believe a man can flieses 1978 superman the movie starring christopher reeve 5 minutes at a time proud member of the fire and water podcast network i'm one of your hosts rob kelly and joining me as always through this through time and space is
1: chris franklin can I... you read my mind rob <laughs> yeah, dude,
0: not, i was about to say that to you son of a bitch <laughs> We, we don't obviously everybody. We don't prepare this before we start. Uh, yeah, this, these five minutes are the big, the end of the date and the beginning of the can you read my mind sequence. The 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 five minutes minutes eighty six through ninety. It starts with um, Superman telling Lois that he will handle the flying, and it ends with Superman giving Lois the AOK sign in mid air. So, uh, Chris, this initial part here, of course, where he says, you know. Uh, we're going to go for a flight. And she says, uh, I think I need to put a coat on. And he says, you'll be warm enough. Why? Yeah. Why will she be warm enough? Does he admit a heat field? I don't understand that.
1: It's it's the John Byrne explanation of his biochemical aura that, uh, I don't know. No, I always hated that. Uh, <laughs> he gave up <laughs> Sorry, on the surprise halfway
0: through. you You're like, I ah, forget that. It's stupid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, I, I, I kind of wondered that too. He's like, you know, one, he's, he tells her, uh, you don't need these for her notepad and and you know th- she's supposed to be timing him, right? right so right. I mean, it- it's like instantly he's just like, okay, the reason we're going—it's—it's it's like the old version of the Kryptonian version of, oh, my car just ran out of gas on this deserted road. You know,
0: that's—he's <laughs> <laughs> on a date with Lois at a movie theater. He does the whole arm stretchy thing. He's like, yeah, and he puts his arm around her. He's like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I never understood that part, but it's fine. I guess Superman knows what he's doing at this point. And of course, this just before they take off, this is the whole line about, uh, "Are you like Peter Pan?" And he says, "Lois, Peter Pan flew with children, Lois, in a fairy tale." Now, if you've ever watched, uh, I know, I know you have, Chris. I know the, the deleted scenes. There are alternate versions of this this take. Um are for alternate takes of this line, I mean. And mm-hmm. it's funny because the line as read by Christopher Reeve in the alternate version, I actually think is not good because he puts right. quotes, but he's like, he's like Peter Pan flew with lo- through with children Lois in a fairy tale. Like he yeah. really overdoes it, and then it's the version in the movie. Obviously, again, Donner and Stuart Baird knew what version to use. The version in the movie is much more gentle, and it's it's much less got quotes around it. Kind of, he's he's much more just like Fle- flew with uh, children, Lois, in a fairy tale. He says it much more gently, and you know that's the line that sells her because you could see Margot Kidder practically melt when he says that.
1: Right, yeah, I mean, and and, and I, I know that it's particularly in the uh, the screen tests that right. they did with right. the different Lois's. He's he's a lot. Christopher Reeve's Superman's a lot broader, but I mean, literally, they slapped the dude in a makeshift costume and uh, put shoe polish on his hair, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so you know. But but yeah, that delivery of that line, and I like the. The dismissal of Clark, you know, oh, which, that's brutal. Clark, he's not. Yeah, it's like, oh. oh, he's nothing. He's nothing. Which, you know, it makes you wonder Did Superman in his mind, is he like, oh, it's working or like, what the hell? Hey, you
0: know? <laughs> I saved you, Lois. I, you know, I saved you from a mugger for Pete's sakes. What the heck? You know? Right. yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> the, referring to he's nothing, oh man, that's all. so so they take off, and again, there's some great flying flying effects here the, the we see the them lift off from the set, which is really nice, and then they're taking off. and uh, as I'm watching the sequence of him giving her a tour of metropolis slash New York City, we'll get to that in a moment. um i I can't help but think in terms of first dates, no man can compete with this <laughs> no. <laughs> I this, mean – This sets an unrealistic expectation from women for what they're going to expect from men on a first date uh, because what man can say, oh, I'm going to fly you under my own power around New York City to see the sights? I mean this is just – he's setting a standard no other man or even superhero except maybe for Hawkman Green Lantern could ever meet.
1: <laughs> well, and that's – I mean I think that's one reason why I thought that was – I know we're jumping ahead to Superman 2, which we're not supposed to talk about, but – But when at the end of the movie when Lois is you know, when they've kind of had to break everything off because he had to go back to his powers and and everything and and they're in the office the day after and she's so upset because she's like, you know, your hard act to follow is what she tells her. You know. I mean, she's basically ruined for all time. How's she gonna find a guy that's 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 gonna give her these things, that's gonna show her these things and so yeah, I mean, there's a lot to that. I mean, yeah, she's ruined for all time by it's, it's, it. No, no man's going to have any game compared to Superman. Yeah, no,
0: this is insane. <laughs> so, um, during the scene of them flying over the city, it's really very beautiful because we see the, the glowing lights underneath them, and it's soft focus and very well done. And I don't know, Chris, have you noticed this? That there's a couple of shots where it's just a close up of of Superman, and he's over the city, and there's the glow behind him. Alex Ross virtually reproduced that look for the Superman piece on Earth. Graphic novel, the oversized graphic mm-hmm. novel he did of, of Superman flying, of z- flying over the city and seeing the glow of the lights underneath him. It's like I, – I mean we know that Alex Ross is a huge fan of this movie because of course he is. He's, he's the target audience like we were. But at those – looking at this scene, it reminded me of of scenes from Superman, Peace on Earth where you've got that underlighting. And I have to think that Ross tried to re- replicate that in, in some of the, the painted pages. And he does it perfectly because it looks just like what you see in the movie.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think definitely I can definitely see that and and like you said, Ross is is a fan is a fan of the movie. There, i mean even though his Superman is a little more older looking, a little thicker than Christopher Reeve. There's a lot of Christopher Reeve in his Superman, and and in fact, I've, I've seen a lot of photos where he's used the old Mego twelve inch Christopher Reeve Superman doll as a model. So. Right. <laughs> So so uh you know he's he's definitely a fan but yeah I this this whole scene I really like when they're flying around the Statue of Liberty and you know he's smiling at Lois's uh reaction to it because her eyes get humongous it's it's really cute and but there's this one little bit where you know he kind of stops smiling at Lois and he just kind of looks at the Statue of Liberty with this real reverent look on his face mm-hmm. and I mean that's superman I mean you know and that's I mean, and you know they're not looking at anything. I mean, they're they're, right. they're hanging from wires. And, uh, you know, Richard Donner's like, there's the Statue of Liberty over there. And, 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 and watching this scene, uh, watching this whole sequence for this, you realize how well cut together this sequence is. I mean, because, you know, Reeve does a lot of his, uh, you know, he changes his arms, you know, his, his arms in, he tucks his, tucks his shoulder in, he pulls his arm back out and stuff. And it all... Flows together really well, you know, Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of care taken into this and it and it really works still. I mean, that's that's what's amazing is that the effects in this sequence, this is the most protracted flying sequence in the movie, really. Yeah. And and it still holds up really, really well today, I, I, I think.
0: I, I agree. Uh, I'm glad that you brought up the Statue of Liberty, because I was going to mention that in a second. Now, we, we have to think about this, because now we see other landmarks. At one point, he flies by the, the, uh, the World Trade Center. We see that in the background. And, of course, mm-hmm. in the earlier scene with Otis at the train station, we hear the conductor saying, Poughkeepsie, and you know, all these uh, uh, New York state landmarks. Is Metropolis New York City? Is there no New York City in this Superman universe and this is just Metropolis simply is New York? Because they're not even pretending to that it's not New York uh, because look at all the landmarks. I mean, Metropolis has the Statue of Liberty, which is, of course, so in your mind, like in your head canon, is New York just not a city in the Superman movie?
1: You know, when I was a kid, I kind of said to myself that they just flew—he flew her to New York—and it's nearby. But I think now, with you know, especially examining it like this, I think you got to say yes in in the Superman movie universe. There is no New York City. It's Metropolis. Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I, always,
0: I, I, I used to think that, too. I thought, oh, he flew her all the way to New York, and which is kind of like a, a shot at Metropolis. You know, really, like oh, there's nothing to look at here. Let's go all the way to another state uh, because, as we all know, Metropolis is in Delaware. Uh, yes. He flew all the way to New York, which for <laughs> Superman wouldn't take long. But, yeah, I, I think so, too, that, that New York and Metropolis are one and the same. So they end up going uh, above the clouds in a beautiful set. Um, where we see the, the sky and like, again, how cold is this gotta be? I mean, they are way up high. They are above where planes fly for Pete's sakes. Like, again, I don't fully understand Superman's, uh, you know, heat uh, shield thing he's got going on. But then we have the whole scene where he's getting her to spread her wings, uh, literally where and you know, I can't, but think he is really taking a lot of risks with a human here.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, of course it's, it's this, it's got the wonderful John Williams music, which, uh, you know, we'll get back to that in a minute, but, but yeah, it's got this lyrical quality of her flying beside him that, that you know, it looks so romantic and, and, and everything rather than, you know, him holding her next to him, which I guess, you know, he, he planned on snuggling up to her. That's why she wouldn't be cold, I guess. But, uh, but, you know, I'm not going to get into the physics of, you know, people well, oh, she'd fall limp at his side and blah, blah, blah. No, no, just hush. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> hush people keep your physics to yourself. Right. But yeah, the, yeah, it's a little risky. I think Superman is so, uh, Twitter pated uh, at this moment to, to borrow a term from Bambi, uh, that, that he's, uh, <laughs> that he's, uh, basically just throwing caution to the wind and doing anything to impress this lady. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, you can fly beside me. Yeah, uh, not a great idea. And and I know he can't hold on to her real tight because you know he crush her. Uh, but yeah, get a better grip, Soups. Come on, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole bit where her the, the, the tips of her fingers keep going further and further out onto his, and then of course they lose grip and she falls. And there is one sequence where we get a big close up of Margot of Lois Lane. I keep saying Margot Kidder, Lois Lane falling and screaming as Superman is in the background. And then he catches up to her, and, you know, the, everything's okay. But I can't help but think, he's like, hey, Lois, I just shaved three years off your life. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, guys, she going to wake up in the night just screaming from, yeah. <laughs> you know, reliving that moment over I and mean, over again? She, I
0: mean, there is a, a downshot where you see where she's falling, and she is, you know, she's, she's, fa- she's falling from a height higher than probably any human has ever fallen. Yeah, How terrifying. Would that be? You know, I mean, like, my goodness. So, it's it. You you have to go with it, like you said, just hush. You know, you gotta have to sort of go with it. But it is really irresponsible of Superman to be doing what he's doing, and it, that that leads right into the whole "Can You Read My Mind" uh, song. It's sort of a song. Originally, apparently, they had Margot Kidder flat out singing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they realized it didn't work, and so they had her kind of talk sing it, which is what she does. And it's you know it's it's her inner monologue, and she has a line apparently she, the, the, at one point where she says, "Can you picture the things I'm thinking of?" And you're like, "Well, this is a PG-rated movie. We can't get into that <laughs> specifically." But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this. If there's ever a moment in Superman the movie where modern audiences are going to disengage. This is the moment. I, I know for a fact that there is there are some people who like this movie, but they just can't stomach this scene because it's just too sappy.
1: Yeah, I know our friend Michael Bailey has a problem with it. Um, this this sequence, he's 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 went on record. You know, it, it puts him out of the movie. Uh, but I, you know, I, I've never had a problem with it. To be honest with you, I I can see you know modern audiences having a little bit of trouble with it. Maybe it's coming back around thanks to things like La La Land and stuff like that. The the, the pendulum swinging back the other way, maybe, but, uh, but where this movie has no other musical sequences and, and then you have this, but, but, you know, Lois is a reporter and I mean, it totally makes sense that she's, you know, composing something in her head while this is going on because she's so in the game of, of always being on as Lois Lane reporter that to, to me, it to me, I can kind of explain it away in, in that way. So it's, it's never it's never bothered me. It kind of surprised me when I found out that some people are just like, oh, you know, when they get to this scene. Because I mean, I've always just kind of assumed that this is, you know, I mean, I think Superman. It's a, you know, like like uh, like you said before in the in the uh, commentary where uh, Richard Donner and and, and Tom Makinwitz are saying that that you know the the love story is what sells the movie. It's it's what has to work. And I mean, I I, I think this is one of the you know one of the sweeter. Uh, you know, romantic scenes in in all of movies, really. I mean, I you know, but maybe that's just me because this is my favorite movie. But mm-hmm. I, I've just never had any trouble with it. But I, I will say the moment where think about the the think about the precision needed for that moment where Lois is falling and Superman swoops in and captures her. You got two different people on wires, and he comes in and grabs her, and they embrace perfectly, mm-hmm. and even her little. The little capy thing of her of her dress like flops up behind her head in that one scene, and actually kind of works because it makes it he looks like he's really just pulling her in, you know. And I mean that I don't know how many times they had to shoot that thing, but the shot that they used was perfect. <laughs> I mean and that had to be a mess trying to get two people on wires, especially back then, to to come together like that with her falling and him coming the other way. And uh, it's yeah, I so. Uh, this this scene gets a complete pass from me, but I know it doesn't from other people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like you. I saw it when I was a kid, so I just accepted it. You know, it's, that's just part of the movie. And and you know, we've talked about in previous episodes that uh, this movie is partly a disaster movie. You know, Donner was incorporating some of that disaster cinema into this movie, and you know, he was trying to make big, old fashioned epic. You know, and this uh-huh. is a big epic. This movie is like two and a half hours long. And so it has lots of stuff that I think movies nowadays don't feel necessary to have. And in in, in this case, it's a musical number. You know, uh, if a lot of people, when they watch older films, if you watch the films of Abbott and Costello or the Marx Brothers, they have musical numbers. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are kind of like, why? Why why does why is there a musical number in this? Well, it's because that's how they made movies back then. And I almost think Superman is kind of that throwback of like, well, we're going to have some disaster stuff and we're going to have some character comedy and we're going to have a, a, you know, a musical number as well. You know, I mean, it's not full out. They're not dancing and singing and stuff, but it's it, it's a musical number where a character is sort of singing a song. And so it, it, Superman has that old timey kind of feel to it. And he said in, in a lot of ways, Superman is the end result of decades of filmmaking styles and the the pointing the way towards something new. Because Mm -hmm. after this, superhero movies were entirely different. So, I mean, it it, it sort of occupies both those spaces. And, yeah, it doesn't bother me. And I never even thought about the idea that Lois being a reporter is always on. And so she's always self-monitoring her own reactions to things, which I think is, that's a great observation. I never, that never occurred to me that she would be sitting there and sort of being like outside the moment, you know, that while she's enjoying this thing with Superman, she's also commenting on her own participation, which is what reporters kind of do, which that, that works great. I think that's a really great idea. Oh, cool. Well, good. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Uh, And it, you know, it's, and as you mentioned, uh, just the sheer amount of work this must have taken to have two different flying rigs and the background plates and the camera moves i mean this must have just been such a nightmare to shoot and must so boring and technical i mean and on top of it you've got to have the actors have to like be good in their performances you know reeve and kidder had to modulate and get it right every single time in the middle of being on wires and all this crazy stuff i mean it said it must have just been such a pain in the butt to try and shoot yeah
1: and we've and we've talked discussed before but you know that uh, the different methods of of Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder. Uh, this was right, probably yeah. the scene that really that really made them. And they they apparently bickered like like brother and sister back yeah. and forth. You know they got along, but they were friends. But they you know she aggravated him because you know she was kind of flippant about her acting method compared to his Juilliard training. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and 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 then she get aggravated with him because he was so, you know, so, uh, into his, his method. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, you can imagine the hours that they spent filming this sequence, but it, it's, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, the clouds look great. I mean, this is the, the clouds and stuff like that. This is where the movie could look really cheesy. Yeah. The sequence. I mean, if they didn't get it just right, this could look really fake. You could totally just not buy it. And, and, and this is a long sequence, and it would it would take you out of the movie, but they pulled it off. So
0: yeah, they did. And it, the, when you mentioned the, their conflicting acting styles, there's uh, an interview segment with Margot Kidder in the, on the DVD, which is great. Where they, and it might have been during this scene, she doesn't mention what scene it happens, but there's some point where they were shooting one of these gimbal scenes where they're both on this rig, and the the gimbal broke or one of the wires broke or something happened where they both started to fall. And Christopher Reeve, out of just instinct, grabbed her as if he was going to be able to stop her falling because he was falling as well. But he forgot that. And she was like <laughs> – she looked at him like, did you really just do that? Because he really – she's like for a half second he really thought he could just stop her from falling in midair because, of course, he could fly.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I great. love that. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah, that's a great story. That's but
0: fantastic. <laughs> he took it seriously and he said – I mean I realized." As as I could see them bickering back and forth about how to do it, but if I think if you're Christopher Reeve, your point of view is Lois. I mean Lois, Margo, you're playing a regular person. Right. I, I'm doing the heavy lifting here, literally and figuratively. I'm playing something, and it can't be a joke. I'm dressed in a red leotard and red trunks, you know, which now DC's just bringing back. Uh, you know. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm the one standing here in a Superman costume, so please let me let me use whatever process I need. To get to this, come on, Come on, Margo. Give me a break here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: and uh, this, so the the, the this uh, section of five minutes ends with Superman giving Lois the AOK sign, and uh, everything is good. So that's the end of the sequence. And it's going to continue more in the next episode, of course. So. I guess that's really going to do it. We didn't have a whole ton to say about this one because it is really is just this one big sequence, and it's all lovey-dovey and mushy and everything else. And girls love it. And of course, you know what woman would not want a handsome block of hunk like Christopher Reeve dressed as Superman? You know, giving—I mean, think about all the different things he could be doing right now. He could be saving planes or doing all sorts of stopping bank robbers. But he's spending time with you. It's a, it's, a, its you know—undivided attention from the Man of Steel.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's a great sequence, and I I think you know before before we go, we probably really ought to talk about the the the, the love theme, to Superman because sure, sure. It, I was thinking the other day, um, I, you know, I, I was I was sitting here listening to I was watching this on the computer, and um, I had I was taking you know taking writing down notes and things, and so I had my earbuds in, and and while this sequence was going, I heard the Krypton theme. And I'm like, what, what? What am I hearing? Why am I hearing the Krypton theme? Well, Danny was watching the Lego Batman movie ah. in the other room, and when it shows the fortress, it plays the Krypton theme, and it made me think Superman the movie. Not only does the Superman theme everybody knows, and you know, it's it's one of cinema's greatest movie themes ever, and if, and and you can argue it's. It, I mean, it is one of John Williams' greatest themes ever. But this movie has actually three great distinct themes Mm -hmm. that you still you got the regular superman march you've got the krypton slash fortress theme and then you've got the can you read my mind flying sequence theme, the love theme the superman and lois theme so this movie has no less than three themes that you know would transcend the movie that like like a lot of people know that they'll use in a movie and instantly people know, oh, that's from Superman, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they used parts of the love theme and Superman Returns. They kept teasing it. They never got to it exactly because <laughs> where Superman and Lois were in that movie. And yeah, God, now we're talking about Superman Returns, I'm really going beyond. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but uh but uh, it's it just amazed me. It just hit, I mean I knew that but it just kinda really hit me yesterday that it's like wow, you know Most movies, and I know nowadays, and it kind of saddens me that that, that, uh, soundtracks aren't as memorable, that they don't, that the soundtrack isn't as important of a part of a movie as it used to be in most cases, and I actually don't like that. I know it's probably because now the technology has uh, gotten to where they feel like they can fill in everything they need with. Visuals, the music isn't as important to sell the moments. Uh, but to me, I, I miss it. And uh, you know, when something comes along that has an kind of an old school soundtrack like Captain America: First Avenger, I love it. And uh, and Wonder Woman even had some of that, you know. And uh, so I, I just really appreciate the fact that you know, there's hardly any movie nowadays that has a soundtrack that you even remember when you walk out of the theater and this movie's got three transcendent themes that have like endured for 40 years at this point
0: so yeah i mean we we talked about in previous episodes that you know john williams has had a career full of triumphs and of course he has i would argue four movies that are the jewels of the crown which are superman raiders Star Wars and Jaws, in terms of four Mm -hmm. themes that every human knows, even if they've never seen the movie. You know, you can play the Simpsons once in an episode where where um, Mr. Burns walks into the screen and they play the Darth Vader march because everybody knows what that is. And the indie music is is the music meaning adventure. And the Jaws theme has been was used just a few years later in Caddyshack for for a gag. You know, I mean, they're so iconic. But I would say of those, even among. Those four jewels, Superman is the jewel among the jewel because he just g- composed so much great music for so many different sequences. I mean, he just nailed everything. And it's it as you said, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I would have forgotten about it because I, I tend to just overlook the music. But yeah, this is – Williams is just at the – Absolute top of his game here in composing these iconic themes, and there was—I mean—look at the big deal they made when uh, the, Danny Elfman decided to incorporate the Superman theme into the Justice League. They made it like a marketing thing. Like Warner Brothers tweeted it out, you know. So yeah, that's how big it, a deal this was. It was like, hey, everybody, the old Superman theme is going to be in our movie. Like, wow, that was something worth pointing out to people before the movie even came out. Well, and it's—I
1: it's, mean, honestly, and I understand that there was Superman music before of the John Williams theme for this movie, but people, you know, know, you've got to, I I think when it's not there, people are, it's just like, well, why isn't it there? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, why didn't you use it? At least, at least somewhat. And I mean, I think one reason why they haven't used it in the modern DC movies is because You know, Superman Returns and I like that movie, but Superman Returns just wallowed in in nostalgia for these movies, maybe a bit too much. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so they kind of felt like, well, we that didn't go over the way we wanted. And and so now we're kind of we're going to forge ahead with something new. But here we are you know, three movies later and we're bringing it back. So (laughs) what's that tell you? It's just like his red
0: trunks. (laughs) Yep. You got it. Eventually it's going to come back. You got to use it. It's just too good not to use. Yeah. It's fantastic. So, Well, I I think that is going to do it for these five minutes of Superman the movie. Uh, Chris, before we sign off, I'm not going to plug all my shows. Everybody knows what my shows are on their network. But you have a new show coming up. Why don't you talk about that?
1: We have – Cindy and I, my wife, have JLU cast, which of course will feature Superman. Yeah. uh, And the Justice League and the animated uh, series that was produced by Bruce, Tim, and company. Uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited we will cover every episode and that will be coming soon. To the Fire and Water podcast network. Depending on when this episode drops, it might already be out. Maybe. So <laughs> mid mid February is what we're shooting for. So uh, the trailer's out there. You can check it out, and uh, we're really looking forward. In fact, Cindy's like, "Do you want to record a Justice League episode today?" I'm like, "I gotta do some notes first." Huh? Wow! <laughs> Isn't
0: that cool? Isn't that great? When you're when when you're the, the missus is that excited about it? That's cool.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she's she's stoked. So so am I.
0: <laughs> I am very much looking forward to that show, and not just because I'm going to get the guest on the Aquaman episode. I'm generally looking forward to that show. It's going to be super cool, and obviously, JLU deserves that level of deep dive because it's it's that good. So. Uh, very cool. Very exciting. We're very happy to have that on the the network. So, all right, everybody. Well, of course, uh, you can go on Twitter where we're talking Superman Movie Minute, and it's at uh, Superman Move Min. Oh, and by the way, this is the first episode. There will be a couple of weeks since, but, you know, everybody can deal with the time displacement. Uh, this is the first episode of Superman Movie Minute that I am b- recording since uh, one of our fellow Movie Minute, Movie by Minute shows, The Thing Minute, has wrapped up. And I just want to say, I was a guest on the show. I did a week uh, with Harper, the host Harper Harris on Thing Minute. And then he very generously asked me to be part of the final episode of Big Roundabout uh, episode. And I just want to say I, congratulations to Harper for age for just finishing the movie. And second of all, I think for doing one of the best jobs any of the movie by minute shows has done. I, it was a great show. I loved every second of it, and I think it says something that everybody's like, "Hey, Harper, keep doing like do the thing prequel or do the thing '50s version." They just want to hear the show going. So, congratulations to Harper Harris for completing the thing minute. It's a great, great show, and uh, uh, we can only hope to do that kind of job for Superman that that he did for for the thing. So, well done, Harper. So. Amen. Uh, Yeah, and of course you can find back episodes of the show over on our website, fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you can leave comments there. And of course, uh, we did a feedback show a couple episodes ago, and we will be doing another feedback show at the end of our run, so please leave comments. We love talking about the movie, of course. So uh, that is going to do it, and until next week, uh, we will see you later. Bye. Bye. This country
1: is safe again, Superman, thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night. Night.